your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught, one, yeah, first down, hits on the 20, 15, shoots the defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Juan Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. It has finally arrived, the week of the Ohio State game. We're 24 hours away from kickoff of Nebraska and the Buckeyes tomorrow night. Welcome to our Friday edition of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Thank you so much. Wow, there is a buzz around town, a lot of activities. The, the uh, ESPN game day folks have already done a one-hour show from Lincoln earlier today. Huge announcement from Bill Moose that we're going to dive into here in just a moment. And, of course, uh, PBA, the doors have opened to let folks in to a sold-out event tonight to watch the Husker basketball team, followed by Rick Ross. We'll put on a little concert over there at PBA tonight. It is just full of activity down here around the Haymarket area tonight. All right, here's what we have coming up on the program. We're going to hear from Bill Moose, Husker Athletic Director, here in just a couple of minutes. He announced today a huge new football facility. It's a new athletic complex with 30, 350,000 square feet at a cost of $155 million. We're going to dive into the nuts and bolts of that here in just a couple of minutes and hear from Bill as well. We'll also check in with first-year basketball coach Fred Hoiberg, his thoughts about his team as they've gotten practice underway and get ready to have a little show over tonight at PBA. Hour number two, we'll dive into our Big Ten picks, our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks for the week. We'll also hear from... Uh, in NFL Network's Ian Rappaport about the upcoming week, week number four in the National Football League, which got underway last night with a terrific game between Philadelphia and Green Bay. Hour three, we'll have our weekend preview. We'll have a snippet of our Cornhusker conversation for tomorrow that you'll hear in its entirety during Husker game day. We'll have our weekend review and our winners and losers of the week. All that coming up here on the show tonight. But, Ben, we start with the big announcement from this afternoon. We've been waiting for this for months. Rumors have been flying for months. Bill Moose the other night on his monthly radio show hinted, hinted at it, but it became a reality today. This is a big-time project that they promise will be the best in college football when it's done in, in three years. Boy, the I mean, it feels good to finally have it out and the fans have the information, um, or at least what was shared today. It looks amazing. Uh, the renderings, the video that they put out, Obviously, you know, you're pouring this much money into a facility. There's going to be parts to this that are just absolutely stunning. And a lot of the details of the inside haven't been released yet. Uh, probably still working through some things there. But, you know, the, the idea of making this financial commitment to a facility for your program, I think it's going to say a lot about how seriously you are about uh, football, about, you know, kind of putting – your money where your mouth is literally and uh and seeing what what nebraska can can make of this and you know obviously it's going to help recruiting it's definitely going to help the current student athletes on campus there's going to be a lot of parts to this that are uh ever moving but so so cool to see that finally unveiled today and just what's been an absolutely crazy day around here in the capital city um you know just getting ready with with everything happening this weekend and, and tonight with hoops you know, what better way to, to then to cap this off with this announcement? Huge deal. The facility is going to provide the Nebraska football program 
the new locker room, strength and conditioning center, an athlete athletic medicine facility, equipment room, meeting rooms, coaches' offices, and an additional outdoor practice facility. Uh, the plan also will include the training table, which is where the athletes eat, and academic support facilities for all the student-athletes, not just football. So all 24 sports will benefit from the training table and the academic support, which is currently housed in West Stadium. Not sure what they're going to do with that space once they leave there. The weight room will move from where it is in North Stadium to this one. They have talked about preliminary thoughts about maybe turning that into a museum, maybe even a, a place where people could have uh, small cocktail parties in there as well. But uh, some of this will be kind of a moving target as they get into this. But 350,000 square feet, this is just a monstrous facility. And, and you know, you, you look around the Big Ten West – Illinois opened theirs a couple months ago. Purdue's opened theirs in the last two years. Iowa's opened a brand new one. Northwestern's opened theirs within the last year. It's fantastic. It's right on Lake Michigan. Uh, it, Minnesota. Minnesota's their big camp. What do they call that thing? The Olympic campus or whatever they call that thing up there. I mean, this was needed here at Nebraska. And I know some folks don't see that because they come and they see how beautiful Memorial Stadium is on game days or game night tomorrow. But, Ben, we travel around a lot. You, you see a lot of these sparkling new things, and Nebraska's is, is not, and it will be now. Yeah, I mean, it, it just – We've been talking about it a lot over the last few weeks, and as I've been saying, it's an arms race, and Nebraska was, was lagging behind. And, you know, everybody wants to be new and innovative and, and come up with a new big thing and um, that, that grabs a hold of, you know, changing the landscape of college football. And one of the biggest things, maybe the biggest thing right now, is facilities and what type of experience are, are your athletes getting and what type of draw are you getting from recruits? And, you know, this is a thing that Nebraska wanted to get done and, and take very seriously. And I think the financial commitment that they're making proves how serious they are about it. And, you know, I, when this thing's done, it's going to be state of the art and it's going to be a, a monster bragging point for every, every time a recruit is here and, and how much pride Nebraska is going to take in this. This is going to sit on part of the current location of the Ed Weir track. So that is going to have to, it's going to be motivation campus. Uh, the new outdoor track will be closer to where their offices are. The track offices are in the Devaney Center, so it'll be right across the street from that. So that part is as well to locate the track and get it moved out there. And you, you kind of think back out at the Devaney Center, there's an awful lot of Husker sports that are out there. Men's and women's basketball, obviously, with the Hendricks Complex. Wrestling is out there, track and field. Uh, you've got gymnastics now moving out there with their new facility due to open here in the next couple of months. Uh, you have soccer out there. You have tennis that's out there with their new Sid Dillon Tennis Center. So it's incredible. John Cook even had a, a quote in the release today, Husker volleyball coach. He said, this facility's upgrade is another example of the commitment the Nebraska Athletic Department shows to dreaming big. When we renovated the Devaney Center in 2013, it changed the landscape of college volleyball with our record attendance numbers, and it certainly helped in attracting recruits who have helped us to win two national championships and compete in four straight Final Fours. This new facility project is another huge step forward for our athletic department. So big announcement today, $155 million. They're also going to tie it into the stadium on that northeast corner. And, Ben, they do say, I'm, I, I'm trying to picture this in my mind, they say construction will include new vertical transportation for fans entering and exiting North Stadium. 
that to me says either an escalator or an ele- more elevator shafts to go up there to get fans up to those higher levels in that North Stadium. Yeah, that, it can get really congested over there. And, you know, I think, yeah, why not? I mean, if you're going to, you know, go this far and, and try and wedge this thing in, into, you know, and kind of fit, fit and attach stadiums, whatever you want to do, I think that's smart. And if you can enhance, you know, your, your game day experience while you're at it with some, with some season ticket holders and some fans, by all means, take advantage of that opportunity and get it done. So huge announcement. Again, that was at 1.30 this afternoon. And we'll hear from Bill Moose here in just a couple of minutes. They did the announcement kind of right in front of the columns over there, which is just was just a few, maybe 100 yards or less, over to the stage set up for ESPN's game day, which they did do an afternoon show from Lincoln uh, earlier today. You kind of mingled over there. It was already, already crazy over there oh. early this afternoon, wasn't it? I mean, it... There's been a lot of talk about it, and I know fans are very excited, but you know that kind of put in perspective how big of a week this is for Husker fans and how excited people actually are. I mean, Josh and I were over there, and I just couldn't believe the amount of people that were just milling around and... Uh, you know, the game day setup itself, is, it's just, it's breathtaking. You know, there's so much that goes into it. And, and you know, Josh and I were kind of talking when we were walking over there, you know, the, the idea that they set all this up and then literally when the show's over, they rip it down and load up the trucks and start heading to the next spot. Uh, you know, you, you almost forget that they do this every week yeah. of, of how big it is of a deal here in Lincoln. And, and I promise you that... The media scrum that those guys had to face today is unlike anything they've been around. I mean, Nebraska had easily 50 to 100 media people there just to talk to these people. I mean, it was insane. And and the amount of students and fans and there were some Buckeyes fans out there and just, yeah, I mean, you, you don't know how big of a spectacle it is until you kind of take a sneak peek behind the curtain and see everything that goes into it. I mean, this, it is a really big deal, and you know the idea that they're here is is great. You just hope that the that the game itself and what what happens on the field, you know, makes it all worth it. It's almost like a major rock concert mm-hmm. or any kind of concert, country, whatever major concert going on, and that's what those people do. They set up and tear down every week. Last week they were in Athens. This week they're in Lincoln. They were in Ames a couple of weeks ago. Haven't been here in 12 years, and I think most of those guys are glad to be back here. I mean, they, they understand Nebraska's importance in the college football world. They like coming here, and they want Nebraska to be good, just like they were in Texas earlier this year, first time they've been in Austin in 10 years. They love going to those traditional powers where college football means so much. It certainly does here. Yeah, well, and then a couple you got to think a couple of those people that are on that staff, Maria Taylor, David Pollock, they've never been here for Reese Davis hasn't even been here for a game, you know, for, for college game day. So to, to get to experience that here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and, and, you know, it's just different when you get to come to these types of places and how many people, I don't know how many people are going to be able to cram in there tomorrow, but you better believe every inch of space, you know, we're going to meet the capacity. Let's just leave it at that. It'll go clear back to Morrill Hall, I would think. Clear across that parking lot over there, people will be hundreds deep to try to catch a glimpse of the the game day guys who do they make available today i saw saw interviews going on with kirk herbstreet you talked to earlier this week yeah kirk herbstreet reese davis and and desmond howard were the three that they that they no sign of lee lee was walking around they were all walking around tom rinaldi 
uh, Gene Wojcikowski, David Pollock. Uh, they were all out walking around, but those are the three that they put in front of the media. Very cool. Good stuff. And as we speak, people are fighting through the doors over at PBA. Um, we just had so much going on, and there really isn't a media setup. I've had people ask me, aren't you guys going to do part of your show from over there? Um, we kind of would have liked to, but we really weren't sure what purpose we would have served. And they, they don't have the traditional uh, radio row set up or scores table set up for this tonight because of the concert with Rick Ross that's going on. And But what a cool night for the basketball team. What a cool night for Fred Hoiberg and that staff, Ben, for the first time that they're going to be exposed to Husker Nation outside of Thor, Thorby Arson, who played here a year ago, and Deshaun Burke, who sat on the end of the bench. For the rest of those guys, this is their first chance to get out in front of Husker Nation. It's going to be impressive over there in the next couple of hours. Yeah, it will be. And I know the the players are so gassed up for this. They're so excited uh, to get to get to put. You know, there some of them were asking me this week, "Have they ever done anything like this before?" Like, well, we had, you know, events, but no, we've never had anything like this happen. And they're like, "Well, how many people are going to be there?" And I said, "It will be full." And I don't think they believe me. Like it's this is a huge deal, and and I, again, it it fits the the mold of what's happening this week, but also fits the mold of how people are excited for this basketball season. And I, I'm like, I told the players, I'm like, they want to figure out who the heck you guys are. <laughs> that no one knows who you guys are, and uh, you know it's true. And to go get you know get a first look and what you can do and what these what these guys look like together, it's a great opportunity. Cool stuff. All right, so a lot happening, a lot in the show again this hour. We're going to hear from both Fred Hoiberg about tonight and about getting ready for this season and getting this team kind of to know each other a little bit. We'll have that, and we'll also hear from Bill Moose his thoughts about what was announced today, a $155 million project uh, for, that will be a new football facility, but also will have training table and academic support for all student-athletes at Nebraska. Estimated opening, and again, this certainly could change, would be the summer of 2022, which sounds like a long ways off, but it's less than three years away when they would get that thing open. Now, all right, that's what we're dealing with here tonight. Also, we'll take some calls throughout the program at 866-HOSKER-1, 5371 Back with more of the show next. Welcome back. Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. And boy, what a day it has been for the University of Nebraska and, and the man who's been orchestrating all of this in the last few months, Bill Moose, joining us now. Congratulations. This is a day I think we're going to remember for a long, long time. Well, it is, and it's an exciting time. We've got so many things going on right now on our campus. Uh, but more specifically in regards to athletics, of course, the ESPN game day crew here. We've got the Heisman House uh, brought to you by Nissan on campus. And then we're going to have a... Uh, a fabulous um, introduction to a new facility that we're going to announce today, uh, and it's going to be very exciting. All right. This has been, I know you, you and a lot of your members of your staff have put a lot of hours and research into this. Tell me kind of what was important for you to get done with this new facility? Well, we uh, have a storied tradition here in, in all of our athletic programs, but primarily football, as, as we know. And uh, we've made great investments in, in regards to uh, Scott Frost and his staff, our nutrition program, our strength and conditioning, uh, really our recruiting budgets, all these things. Uh, the one thing that uh, I felt and others felt that uh, we really needed to keep up to speed in our facilities. And uh, so what we're going to announce today and we're excited about is uh, a, uh, a football complex that is going to be broader than just football. It will service all of our student athletes in some respects. Um, and. and 
uh, five, 350 square feet, uh, about $155 million. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, arguably the very best and, and really the most functional possibly in the entire country. How did, how did you and the staff go to kind of dig up information about this? Did you visit other places around the country to get some ideas? Yeah, and I, I've uh, built a couple of these uh, myself, me and, and my staff, both at uh, Oregon and at Washington State. So I had toured a lot of them before. Uh, we sent uh, a group out, primarily uh, potential investors uh, that that could help us in regards to the fundraising piece to some of the top ones as well, just to get a feel of what the competition is. And and um, we also did a lot of research that uh, 62 of the 65 Power 5 programs have uh, top-notch uh, single-standing football complexes. And in the Big Ten, all of them do, except for Nebraska right now. So uh, either either uh, all of the Big Ten have them or are in the process of building them, and now we can add ourselves to that group. The number is big. That means you've got to go get that number. Have you put your toe in the water to see what kind of interest you have from some of your donors and people to go get this thing raised? Yes, and, and uh, we feel that uh, our funding model is solid, uh, and it includes $100 million in um, contributions and gifts that uh, um, at all different sizes. And we feel confident that uh, in our verbal pledges right now, out of that $100 million, we're close Close to 35, 40 percent already, and uh, we're just getting started. So um, we're excited about that, and it seems like our fans are excited as well. What kind of timetable are we talking about, Bill? How, from when you put shovel in ground, when do you envision this being completed? We want it to be completed uh, August of 2022, and uh, when we, again, when we're talking about 350,000 square feet, um, that's a <laughs> that's a big undertaking. But uh, ideally, we would break ground hopefully in the spring of 2020. We've we that's going to depend on the amount of money we're able to raise uh, prior to that. So uh, if all goes well break ground in uh, April, May, right in there, and be ready to occupy the building in uh, 2022. Okay, where you are going to put it obviously means you have to do something with your, your current track. What's the plan for that? Yeah, the, the plan for this building, which again also serves all of our student athletes, are uh, primarily in our nutrition area. Our training table will be in there for all 650 plus student athletes. Our academic center would move over there, uh, will be a top notch, state of the art. Uh, but it is planned to uh, rest right where the track is and be adjacent to uh, the stadium and the Hawks uh, indoor facility. So uh, that means we're going to have to move the track. And the plan there is to move it out to the Innovation Campus, uh, very close to the Devaney Sports Center. Uh, really would work out great for our track and field athletes as the indoor uh, facility for track and field is right there, as are their locker rooms, training tables, etc. So it'd be a win-win deal for track and field. Well, you know, because you do your radio show once a month, the folks have been interested in this. They've been asking for it to come. Today was 
the to, to reveal it, and I know it's an exciting time to be a Cornhusker. <laughs> well, I tried my best to, to uh, accommodate uh, our fans and, and still not just ag- absolutely uh, uh, telling the whole story right as it is today, but we thank them for their interest and hopefully support. And uh, the, the goal here is to get Nebraska football back where it belongs to be in a position to attract the top talent in the country this will be a big piece we've got the coach the coaching staff all the other pieces of the infrastructure we've got a great school and a wonderful wonderful fan base this is the last piece of the pie and away we go very good congratulations again thanks so much there is bill moose with the details of today's monster announcement 155 million football facility Primarily for Cornhusker football, but all the student-athletes will be able to use it for the training table and also the academic wing for Husker Athletics. Callers and guests into our show. Dot us up on our Sports Honey Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. It's insane. Looking out our windows at the Haymarket, Ben. I mean, you combine all the fans that are in town for the football game tomorrow, both Nebraska and Ohio State, and I've seen a lot of Buckeye fans around town today, and then the event that's going to start at the top of the hour at PBA. It's, it's, it's monstrous out there right now. Pretty crazy. I mean, uh, this is as crazy as a Friday night with people walking around. And, look, I know the basketball team's having a deal, but – I mean, usually about lunchtime, you can get a sense, you know, maybe there's something going on. No, it was when I got here this morning, it, it was, was already it was popping. And there's already people in line for game day tomorrow. What? Seriously? Oh, yeah. There's photos. They got lawn chairs and sleeping bags out there. <laughs> oh, my. That's unbelievable. Is uh, it, though? <laughs> probably not. Probably not. All right. Both lines again are open. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. We'll take some calls, and we'll talk to the basketball coach, Fred Hoiberg. will join us next. Huge weekend for football. Big weekend, as we've talked about throughout the week, for Husker basketball. As they're about to have an open Scrimmage, meet the Husker-type night at PBA, followed by a concert by rapper Rick Ross. Had a chance earlier to catch up with Husker head coach Fred Hoiberg, and we started by kind of reflecting back on the summer and the trip to Italy and what was gained by doing that. Well, Italy Italy was a great trip for us, and the biggest reason why is the fact that all of our new players got to spend quality time together. And, you know, we've got uh, 14 guys that – have never really played with each other so that they've never played with each other and the only two guys that have been in the big 10 are thor and uh Deshaun burke and that was from the sideline is with a sit-out year uh so there's so many new faces there's so many unknowns with this group and uh you know everybody kind of came in initially and uh you know it was a lot of really just individuals and you know I think we left Italy as a team and that, that was the most important part to me uh, obviously you get a head start in the X's and O's and putting in your system but uh, to me the fact that those guys spent so much quality time uh, with each other uh, was the biggest benefit of that trip. Not everybody on the team got a chance to go you've got a couple guys who for various reasons weren't on the trip so you're still you're still integrating guys into the team aren't you? Yeah we, we are and you know with uh, uh, 
with you know Yvonne, who was playing on his under-18 national team, and with Cam Mack, who, who wasn't able to make the trip due to an illness. Uh, you know, those two guys uh, are really playing catch-up right now. And you get four hours a week with the team. When we came back, it was really all just uh, either individual uh, skill work or uh, small groups. Where I'd put eight in the weight room and, and have eight in the court for an hour, and we really just went back to the basics and a lot of the things that I saw uh, on the Italy trip that we needed to correct. And, uh, you know, now we're getting back after it again with uh, with full team workouts. But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, again, for our guys with with the newness of it, you know, putting such a small part uh, of the system to this point and really focusing on the basics and trying to get a head start with that. And, you know, once we get more time, get the 20 hours starting uh, starting next week, then we'll uh, start really incorporating the system and putting in more specific actions. But to this point, it's really been about trying to put in a defensive foundation uh, and trying to put in the basics uh, on the offensive end and, you know, really just predicated on spacing and those little things that you have to do uh, well to be a successful team. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about once we start to, uh, to get more hours with these guys. It's been a very uh, eager group. They want to do more, uh, you know, but I just feel at this point we really got to get the basics down. With Italy and the practice time you've had with this group, what have you learned about them? Well, I, I do think it's a group that, that goes out there and competes. Uh, you know, we're still trying to teach how to play, and we're tr- still trying to teach how to fight through adversity. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things, especially when you have so many new faces. Uh, sometimes you revert back to old habits, especially when you don't have the trust level uh, with the guy next to you at this point. So, uh, you know, those are the big things that we're trying to get across to our guys. You know, not just when things are going well. That that can't be the only time we're out there performing. Uh, you have to be able to do it through adversity, and you know, it's still a work in progress with that. Uh, probably will be even into the season, but you know, we got to find a way uh, to go out there and battle through adversity better. When you got here, there wasn't much of a non-conference schedule put together. So I don't know how many how much choice you really had in piecing this together, but what do you want to accomplish during the month of November? Well, it, it's obviously it's an important uh, part of the season for everybody is the, the non-conference portion. And, you know, you want to go out there and set the tone for when you start the conference games, which, you know, you play 20, you're going to be grinding it out 20 times, uh, you know, once the conference season starts. So, uh, you know, I, I like our schedule. Uh, we're going to be playing at Creighton, which, you know, be a – uh, a top 20 team. Uh, you're going to be playing at Georgia Tech and ACC on the road uh, game. We're playing three quality games in the Cayman Islands. Uh, and we've got some other teams uh, that will come in here and, and give us a, a, a big challenge. So, uh, you know, for us, it's about going out there and hopefully setting the tone uh, for what we need to do, uh, you know, to be have a successful conference season. You haven't been through this before in the Big 12, but you'll have some conference games in December. Kind of breaks it up a little bit. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, you know, in the, in the schedule that we got, it's tough. I mean, we play at Indiana on a Friday night. Now we have to turn around and play Purdue, who runs more sets than anybody in the league uh, on a Sunday afternoon. So that, that's, that you know, that's an NBA-type thing right there where you have very little prep time uh, going into uh, your conference season. But, you know, it's – listen, we all play 20, and it's the, it's the schedule that we got, so we have to go out there and prepare the best we can. Uh, but, yeah, we've got two really difficult challenges. You know, Indiana's going to have a very good team this year to, to go out and start on the road, which I kind of like, uh, going out there and starting on the road, uh, seeing what you're made of. And, you know, you bounce back against a team that should, had a very – legitimate chance of being in the final four last year uh, for your home opener in, in the Big Ten. So, um, you know, hopefully we can go out there and compete and give ourselves a chance. You mentioned Cam Mack didn't get a chance to go to Italy with you, but by all accounts, this is a, a young guy that can be pretty helpful to this team, don't you think? Yeah, he's uh, he's extremely fast with the basketball, and, you know, he, he fits how we want to play. We want to play with great pace. Um, 
with everything we do and you know cam certainly fits that uh so you know for cam you know it's hard not getting the reps that the rest of the team did uh you know he's, he's behind right now at this uh, point of the season but that being said he picks things up very quickly which you have to uh, have that ability as a guy with it's gonna have the ball in his hands as much as he is uh, but he's a jet he's a jet with a ball and uh, and a guy that's a very willing passer fan support pinnacle bank sold out for the upcoming season i don't know if you've been able to sense it when you've been around visiting with boosters and that type of thing but there's a lot of buzz out there for you yeah I, i'm really excited i you know i just the the overwhelming support that we have has has been unbelievable and you know whether we're you know going out to a dinner you know having fans come up to us and, and talk to us about the excitement or you know whether we're at memorial stadium on a saturday afternoon where uh, you know, we're getting, uh, you know, people coming up and saying how uh, pumped up they are for the season. And, you know, then you see that every ticket's been sold uh, already for next year, even, you know, the opening night on, on the 27th uh, with zero tickets available. So, you know, it's just uh, it's, it's one of the big reasons why I think we have a chance to be a consistent winner here is because of our great fan support and, and, and because of our great facilities. Uh, but it's, it's, been, it's been off the charts. Um, you know, there's, it's going to be this team lost a lot. Uh, off last year, uh, off last year's roster with Roby, uh, with uh, with Palmer, with uh, uh, with Watson, and with Copeland, this, you know, especially, and you know, then you lost some some very good role players as well. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we have to work on, you know, to hopefully get us playing at a high level. But you know, the biggest thing we're looking for is to go out and compete and and, and put a product on the floor that our fans can be proud of. Oscar basketball coach Fred Hoiberg earlier this week as the team got ready for tonight's kind of showcase event, they're going to have a little open scrimmage i'm assuming a dunk contest right you got to do that don't you yeah i'm sure i'm sure they'll i mean they're throwing dunks down right now from what i can see on, on twitter <laughs> uh, that seems to be how kids warm up anymore just uh you know learn some youtube dunks and go try them out on the floor <laughs> so yeah that the doors opened at six the uh the scrimmage the introduction of the teams at seven and then rapper rick rocks ross will do a concert after the basketball part gets over Let's get into our Big Ten game predictions presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. I believe Austin is joining us tonight in the back room. Is that correct? That is correct. Hello, Austin. Hi, Ben. Hi, Greg. Update us. Where, how did we do last week? How do we sit on the season? Well, I'll start with the season. Greg, your hunch was correct. It is Ben in the lead. He's got a two-point advantage Woo! right now. Ben's at sitting at 33 out of 38 through four weeks thus far. That's impressive. Hat tip, Ben. Uh, Greg, you and Nate are both sitting at 31 out of 38 through four weeks. Okay. How about so you guys in the back? What about you and Josh or Nate? Yep. Or you said Nate was at 31. Yep. Josh is tied with uh, you and Nate. He's also got 31. Brett's sitting at 16 out of 25, and I'm 29 of 38, picking a couple too many upsets that haven't come to fruition. Yeah, Brett just, what, took a week off, and that's why he yeah. just laid out? Decided vacation was more fun than Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks. I mean... I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, priorities are all messed up there, but whatever. Could he not text us who he was picking for a week, even if he's gone? Maybe one somewhere without cell service. All right, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for that. All right, um, Ben, since you are leading, you get to start first tonight. Let's start with a game that's just gotten underway in College Park, the Penn State Nittany Lions and the Maryland Terrapins. Maryland seems gassed up. That crowd seems electric. They came busting out of the turtle shell. 
They seem all excited about this game. Just a pick. And uh, there is no – after Corey Geiger, there's no chance I would pick Maryland in this game. There's a flag on the play. Maybe it's coming back. But, yeah, I I just – I can't see – I can't see Maryland in this one. I think Penn State's defense is too tough. And I think Maryland, once they start seeing some legit physical Big Ten defenses, they're not going to be able to score 70 or whatever and and be able to zip up and down the field as we saw with Temple. So – uh, I think it's a lower-scoring game. I'll go Penn State, something like 28-17, 28-14, somewhere in there. Okay. Austin, yours? I am not shelling out any love for the Terrapins. I've got Penn State. I do, too. I think it's a 10-14 to 14 point game. It's not nearly as lopsided as it has been in the past. Corey Geiger was throwing us those monstrous Penn State victories. I don't think it gets to that thing, but I do think Penn State wins. All right, how about our two absent boys? Nate and Josh, they also line up with uh, Penton State as well. And are we including Brad or not, since he didn't participate one entire week? He's back know. here shaking his head. What does that mean? He, I assume he just doesn't want to be mentioned, but he did pick Penn State. Okay. Well, good. Just, just in case, you know, we've got a gray area here. <laughs> I don't want him coming back in two months going, I won. <laughs> I won the championship. Yeah. All right, uh, Austin, you're next. 11 o'clock games. Middle Tennessee, who played Michigan earlier this year at Iowa at Kinnick Stadium. Hawkeyes had last week off. That'll be on ESPN2 at 11 tomorrow. Who do you like in this one? Well, I don't like Iowa, but I do like them to win this game. Okay, I'm with you. I, Middle Tennessee's okay, but this, this is a game where Iowa just locks the defense down again for another week, probably wins this something along the lines of 31-10. to 10. So I, I, I'm with you. I got the Hawkeyes 31-10. Yeah, I was like 31-3, 31-3. I don't know that Middle Tennessee even scores. So, yeah, I've got Iowa in this one too. Okay. How about our absentee boys? Everyone else says Iowa as well. Make it a clean sweep for the Hawkeyes back here. So nobody, nobody. No trust in the Blue Raiders. Picking an upset in this game. This is that's this baffles me. No trust in the Blue Raiders. Also at 11, in the big house, Michigan, who's a mess against Rutgers. They're a bigger mess, gentlemen. Michigan wins this one by about a 35-7 to final. Have you ever had one of these situations where you're like, all right, girls, you need to clean your room, and you know, you and the wife go out to dinner, and you come home, and your girls are pretty well-behaved, so it probably still not, it never happened. Still wouldn't been clean. You know, like one of them's a mess, and then you go into the older daughter's room, and it's even a bigger mess. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That, that's the situation that's, that's going to be. One's a mess, one's a bigger mess. Yeah. Um, and Michigan's the more talented mess. So I'll, I'll go with the Wolverines, but, yeah, this is definitely a get-right game for, for Michigan. Austin? Yeah, I've got Michigan despite how – big a mess they are Rutgers obviously a bigger mess and thanks for the reminder to clean my room got it anybody back there picking the Scarlet Knights no All no right. faith so another clean sweep for a pick Ben back to you also at 11 Northwestern travels to Camp Randall to take on the Badgers yeah I, I mean I I don't, I don't know what, what's the spread on this one 24 and a half. It's over 20. I think Northwestern covers. Uh, I think they cover, but they're not going to game. Um, again, I think maybe lower scoring. I Who knows with Northwestern's offense if they're going to score a single point in this one. Uh, so Jonathan Taylor's going to get his. I, I think Wisconsin probably wins by 17 to 21. I'm kind of in that range. I think it's probably a little closer than what the boys in Vegas think, but give me the Badgers. Okay. Austin? 
Yeah, an 11 o'clock kickoff won't be pretty to watch, but I think Wisconsin gets it done. Uh, yeah, I, I'm in the same line as you guys. I think the Badgers are clearly the better team. They're playing really well. They probably have got a lot of attaboys all week mm-hmm. long because the way they handled Michigan. So they may not be quite as sharp. This is the kind of game that Pat Fitzgerald loves to sneak in on yeah. and go, hey, okay, boys, nobody believes in us. It's just us against the world. They'll fight like tooth and nail. They keep it close for three quarters, but the Badgers stick in a late one and win it by 16 points. So that's so I've got Wisconsin winning this one as well. All right, how about the, uh, the other fellas? Yeah, they pick Wisconsin. The spread is 24 and a half points. I don't know their picks. Again, one says Wisconsin wins the game. Okay, very good. Uh, okay, next, Austin U, 2.30 on BTN. The Michigan State Spartans host the Indiana Hoosiers. This is a battle of a couple of teams that are sitting there at 3-1. and one. How about this matchup? They've had some really weird games in the not-too-distant for the Spartans. Stevie Scott's pretty good back for yeah. Indiana. He can move it. Peyton Ramsey's been playing pretty well at quarterback for IU. I, I, I kind of agree with Austin's analysis, Ben. I think the Hoosiers kind of hang around. Um Michigan State's still messy offensively, but they're the home team. I think they win by about 10 points. I see this as as a game that is prototypical Indiana. You know, they're in it till the end, and they just can't quite do it. Even on the road, though? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because I don't trust Michigan State much. Uh, Again, Northwestern game, they, they scored a heck of a lot more points than any of us anticipated on that Wildcat defense. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. Ten-point game. Ten-point game, I think it's relatively close. Maybe Indiana throws the first punch or two. But, yeah, give me the, give me the Spartans. Maybe four and one. Yeah. In that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anybody have any different opinions back there? Brett picks Indiana. Josh and Nate and I all go with Michigan State. Wow. So we finally have a kind of yeah. a – a crooked pick. Everybody else has been chalked at this point in time. Okay, also 2.30 ESPN 2. And I, this one has my attention. I I like these kind of matchups where teams are fighting for positioning within a conference. And this is Minnesota at Purdue. Yes, the Gophers are undefeated. But they've also kind of been a little fortunate. They've made a play or two in all three games to win them. Purdue coming off just getting railed by TCU a couple of weeks ago. Sindelar did not play because of concussion symptoms. I think he plays, and I think that's the difference. They're at home. I'm picking the Boilermakers, Ben McLaughlin, to win this game. Man, I thought we were going to finally be different. Um, I I, I don't trust Minnesota. They're the flukiest undefeated team in the country, and I think it finally comes back to bite them. Um, Oars are just not rowing fast enough. Give me Rondale Moore and the Purdue Boilermakers, although that TCU game really worries me about those guys. Close, don't you think? I think it's a field goal game. Yeah, definitely close. It's definitely going to be a close game, but – uh, I think Rondale Moore is probably the best player on the field. Two two close options behind with Tyler Johnson or Rashad Bateman, but give me Purdue. It worries me that Purdue can't run the ball at all. That worries yeah. me in this because Minnesota will hit you and make you. They're banged up at back though. Ibrahim Brooks. They and, are um, Smith. Is Smith, Smith hurt yeah, too? Yeah, they're all they're all hurt, so they're going to go with the the walk on. I think. Wow. Okay. Even with a week off for the Gophers last week. All right, Austin, your pick on this one. Yeah, I'm going with Minnesota. As little as I trust them, oh. they're fluky, undefeated start. Purdue's just a mess right now. I mean, Minnesota's at least gotten the wins on the board, so even if they're not pretty, they've got those. Purdue hasn't looked good, hasn't impressed me at all. I will row the boat, as will Nate. Josh, though, wow. goes with Purdue. Nate. Nate's rowing the – that's news. He's, he's Nate so, hates Minnesota. He's so down on P.J. Fleck. He is. Wow. So everybody else goes Minnesota, oh, Everybody else goes Purdue. 
Nate, yeah, so you two and Josh went Purdue. Nate and Brett and I went Minnesota. Brett's going Minnesota. Wow. Got some boat rowers in here. Okay. Uh, what's the line of that game? Purdue by two uh, or something? Yeah, I don't know. It's close. It was a pick but I think Purdue's edge is a bit of a favorite in that game. All right, that's that's the week in the Big Ten. Illinois has a bye, and we, we won't pick Nebraska's Ohio State game. We never picked the Huskers game here on the Husker Sports Network. All right. To me, the most intriguing game of the day is Minnesota-Purdue that I'll be keeping an eye on. I'll keep an eye on Wisconsin-Northwestern, but to me, Minnesota-Purdue is the one that I really kind of want to watch. Absolutely. A little I'm bit with you. in that game. We'll have more college football chatter in our weekend preview as Ben takes a look at some of the national games that we get matched up. Penn State's already scored. They're up 7 nothing. Uh, Maryland is has the football and maybe just had a penalty here on a big third down coming up. Is going to back <laughs> Maybe up. Corey Geiger was right. <laughs> Don't not you have to listen to the blitz the blitz is so packed of great information all right phone lines are open for you what do you think of our big 10 picks who you like in some of these matchups tomorrow if you have some thoughts about the huskers game with the, the ohio state buckeyes 866-HOSKER-1-866-487-5371 the number to, to give us a dial if you or someone you love has a problem with gambling call choices treatment center at 402-476-2300 or the nebraska gamblers assistance program at 1-833-238- 6837. More sports nightly straight ahead. This time of the night, we always like to step aside and talk about the National Football League. Wild game last night with the Eagles beating the Packers, and your guy Ian's here. Yeah, what better way to start than last night's game between Philadelphia and Green Bay? Boy, there's a lot that happened in that game. Finally, a good Thursday night game, Ian, between two really competitive teams. That was an awesome game. I mean, it was really, it was, it was really great. And you know, I'm so used to everyone being so snarky on Twitter talking about, you know, bad football on Thursday. That was great football. Like I, I was like, just from a nerdy fan perspective, I was so happy watching it because it was awesome. Uh, I thought it was great. Now, as far as like what you actually take away, um, I think two things. One from the Green Bay Packers, maybe their defense isn't quite. <laughs> Excuse me. Maybe, maybe their defense isn't quite what we all kind of thought, um, which is interesting because you know they've they've pressured so well and they've covered so well and they've been physical and they've gotten bigger. Uh, but that Eagles team really kind of had their way with them, especially up front. I mean, they ran the ball so well. Uh, that was one thing. I think the other thing was Carson Wentz is still a really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, that defense, which again, like we all thought was really good, they decimated. I mean, he was picking them apart especially in the red zone. I think they, they look great. And for anyone who is sort of writing off the Eagles, they maybe need to be careful because I know they've kind of been up and down a little bit, definitely injured. They could end up being a really, really good team before this is all said and done. Ian, before we go any further about the Packers, about the Eagles, it was a pretty violent game last night. Two pretty serious injuries with Jamal Williams and on the other side of Vontae Maddox. Any update on how they're doing after being carted off? Yeah, um, Avante Maddox is doing well. It was a good time for him. He was actually he was taken to a local hospital late last night, but then he was cleared and he was el- he was able to go home with the team on the plane. That was a really good sign that his he's got a neck sprain um, and he had a head injury, but he's going to be okay. Similar situation with Jamal Williams, who I don't think his, his injuries were nearly as severe, more of a precaution than anything. Um, both these guys seems to have a, seem to have avoided major injury, which is 
you know, obviously a very, very good thing. No question. Very scary when they pull that board out and the mace, the face mask comes off. Well, maybe the most serious injury not coming from, from the head or neck, but down on the other end on the foot. What's the update on Devontae Adams in, his, in this turf toe foot issue? Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's got turf toe. And he, he had an MRI earlier today. but And, and they have, you know, they have 10, 10 days until the next game. So they do have a while. Um, but, you know, it is very clear he's emerged as one of the, the really, really good players in football and certainly one of their best players, a go-to guy. I mean, what Devontae Adams did in the first half last night was just ridiculous. Ended up with 180 receiving yards, one of his best nights uh, of all games in the NFL. Um, you know, it, it, if he misses any time, it would be significant. We still don't know how serious, serious the injury is, but any time you have a receiver – who injured his foot and he has to push off like he does, it's certainly something we're going to be monitoring, certainly a significant injury. No question. Well, with that, I guess the next question is, Matt LaFleur's offensive identity, what is it? What, what are the Green Bay Packers supposed to look like offensively? I think they're, they're, they're getting closer to being what they should be. I mean, they, it, it really what it is is a lot of the same plays in a lot of different formations, getting the ball out quick, uh, taking advantage of space. I mean, it's really what you see the Rams and the 49ers do. Um, it's just they're not there yet. I'm kind of reminded of watching, you know, when Kyle Shanahan wasn't the coach of the 49ers, he was the offensive coordinator of the Falcons. They were mediocre for a year, and then they were great the next year. I kind of expect that to happen um, with the Green Bay Packers. Just everyone, and maybe their defense is good enough for them to hang on a little bit. Everyone just needs to sort of calm down and let them mature as an offense because it does take time. But history shows for that system, when it's good, um, it's really, really good. Philly has had a, an interesting start to their year. I know their, their fans are uh, interesting, very similar here in Nebraska, very hard on their team at times when they're not playing the, oh, yeah. the caliber of football that, that they need to. What, what do you see the longevity of this season? You think they, do they settle in a little bit? I mean, they really needed that win last night. Are we going to start seeing more of what we expect from Philly from here on out? Or, or was this kind of just a desperation game that they needed? No, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be there at the end. I mean, you know, maybe the, Cow the Cowboys have a nice big lead on them. Um, so maybe the Cowboys, you know, are maybe the Cowboys are the class of the NFC, NFC East, but you know, I really do think the Eagles have a chance to be there at the end. You know, they've been so banged up, um, so many different injuries to Sean Jackson and, you know, two starting corners, Sidney Jones now out with a hamstring as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, they're just missing so many key pieces, and they're still kind of hanging in. I think they are tough enough to get to a 9-7 and seven point and be there at the end. It's just a matter of in their division, um, can they still do it? You mentioned, and they kind of fight back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting to see that NFC East, specifically, you know, with the uh, with the Eagles. Talk with Ian Rapport, the NFL Network and NFL.com. A couple of three and O teams that I didn't expect to be there. One of them has a bye this week. You talked about the Bills last week. You liked them, and the Niners are three and O. Who? Which of those two teams do you believe in more right now? Um, I would say probably the Niners, just because it's. You know, if you're the three and O Bills, which it's great. I think it's awesome. And and actually as a team, they kinda look balanced if the quarterback is good enough. They look like a pretty decent team. But in that division it's so hard. I mean that's you know, probably the toughest division to make the playoffs from in football. Whereas the Niners, you know, the NFC West, I mean it's not 
perfect, but like there's some there's an opportunity there. Uh, and I think, you know, for the 49ers, I think the quarterback is only going to get better, whereas my guess is Josh Allen with the Bills kind of goes up and down. I think the 49ers have a better chance. I also think this 49ers defense with Robert Sala as their defensive coordinator could be, like, elite, like really, really, really good. And not that, like, they're getting a lot of publicity or, or praise or whatever, um, but I think they have a shot to be be legitimately great. Yeah, two teams definitely expect to be undefeated at this point. Well, a lot of talk in the last week and a half about Jalen Ramsey and potentially being <laughs> traded. Any movement here, or can we can we expect him in a, in a Jags uniform for the next couple of weeks? Well, I don't know if he, I don't even know if we can expect him in a Jags uniform this weekend. I mean, he'll he'll still be a member of the team, but he's currently in Nashville. His baby girl was born, his second daughter. Um, everyone is healthy, which is good. He stepped, kind of stepped away for, uh, you know, for, for personal reasons. Um, I don't know when he's going to come back. I think the team has very smartly kind of left this up to him. Now, I also think the team is probably fine with the distraction kind of moving out of the way, you know, um, and, and letting them focus on football. Maybe this situation where they reconvene next week and just kind of see where they are. But I, I don't think this situation is over. I know he still wants to be traded. Um, it's just a matter of um, does the owner, Shad Khan, who doesn't want him to be traded, does the owner, Shad Khan, kind of acquiesce it and, and let him get, get out of there? We go from one coast and a questionable player to the other coast and a questionable player. Melvin Gordon sounds like he's going to report. What's, what's kind of the, the, the thought process of the Chargers organization, how they want to handle him and, and getting him back incorporated? Well, you know, he, he is back. He did practice today. and He's probably not going to play on Sunday. I think the thing for them is when he plays, he needs to be healthy enough to play, and he needs to be able to sort of not get injured again, if that makes any sense. Like, he, you know, he's been with a trainer, which is all good. But it's different being with a trainer and being out on the football field. Football shape is different. So I think the main thing for them is making sure that when he's out there that he's still 100% good to go, not going to get re-injured. When he is going to play, he's going to be their number one back. He's going to be the bell cow. Um, it's just they think he's going to be great and he's a huge part of their team. They're just not going to just kind of toss him in there, which I think is a good thing. Ian, we'll let you go with this one, and it's it's become a trend, you know, during these interviews to talk about specific players and stars. You know, Melvin Gordon, Jalen Ramsey, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon yep. Bell. How does the NFL office and and really people that you talk to think of this trend that's going on with some of the biggest stars in the sport of of them not being on the field for these t different reasons? Well, it has sort of mimicked basketball a little bit, um, which you know, to me, like, is not bad because players should have more of a say. Players should have a say in what they do, where they go, uh, all of these things. I just, you know, it's because the teams are bigger and because more players are important. Basketball is only five. So, like, if one guy wants out, that's 20% of your team, right? In football, it's much different. So, I don't think football players will ever have the power of basketball players, but we are in an era where players have more say than they ever did, which is good. It's moving in the right direction to me. I'm sure it's annoying to teams, but – you know, teams have held down players for long enough. So I would sort of say, like, you know, too bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Certainly interesting to follow, that's for sure, especially with fantasy football yeah. and, and fans of the teams and all that. Ian Rapport, the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, we appreciate it as always, man. Have a great wee- weekend watching games. Look forward to talking to you next week. All right. Look forward to it, too. Thanks, man. Take care. We're back. Sports Highlight, last segment of the night. Time for our winners and losers of the week. Josh, you want to lead us off? Absolutely. That way Ben doesn't steal mine like he yep. did last ha! week. He's been known to do that. <laughs> By pulling an Austin. No. All right, I'm going to jump in. I'm guessing you guys don't have my winner because I'm homering it a little bit here. I have the Minnesota Twins as my winner. Not only do they clinch, clinch the AL Central earlier this week, they also hit their 300th home run of the season, and th- that wow. is the first team ever to get to 300 home runs because the previous record before this year was like in the 260s. So they got to 300, and they're at 99 wins entering tonight. They have a chance tonight against the Royals to get to 100. So Minnesota Twins are my When's the winners. last time they won the division? 2009, Nine. I believe, was the last time. Yep. Ten years. Wow. Yep, exactly. Okay. And my loser, I'm going to Tennessee football. They start the season one and three. They had three players leave the team this week. That makes five total oh. this season. They're all... I mean, they're not even through the month of September, and they've had five players leave their team. And after a bye week uh, on Saturday, they, their next contest is, is against Georgia. So things aren't going to get any better for the Volunteers. Jeez, brutal. That's tough. Yep. Follow that up. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I'm hoping you're going to take my, my big winner, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it off. I'm, I'm going Felix Hernandez. King Felix pitched for the last time. In Seattle last night, that pitches in a, or plays in their last game. The the emotions and the, and the fan support are just amazing, and to see him in tears and hugging his teammates was just awesome. I he plays for Seattle, but he's a he's a guy that I've always respected and always really really liked to watch pitch. And you know he's he's a legend, and uh, he's definitely my loser. And it's a big time loser, big 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 loser. Maybe my biggest loser of the year. Andrew Sandejo, safety for the Eagles. He's the one that wear, wore the football violent again T-shirt. Um, just cheap shot after cheap shot after cheap shot in his career. Lays his own made out of Ante Maddox late in the game. Gave him a, a strained neck and a concussion. And a few plays later was out flexing in the end zone um, after the Eagles get their stop. So uh, he plays like a punk and really glad he's not a chief. Man. You're not a fan. No. Gee, maybe my least favorite player in NFL history, and that's Whoa. saying something. Yeah. That is brutal. Uh, my winner of the week is just Nebraska football with a facilities announcement today. $155 million new complex. They hope to break ground. Should be completed in 2022. Huge step forward. A huge investment in the future of Husker football. Love that. I think it's going to give the pro- loser of the week. And you guys, maybe maybe you'll disagree with this. But I'm going the Texas Rangers for purposely dropping the pop-up mm. so that Mike Miner could get his 200 strikeout. I think you got to check the game. And yeah. I don't like cheating the game like that. You boys maybe have a different opinion, but I, I just thought that was well. It's it's kind of the same thing as if you're going for the cycle and all you need is a double and you hit the ball in the gap and you could have an easy triple and you just pull up in second for the. That, that's kind of the same thing. You're not playing the game the right way. So yeah, if you I, disagree or agree? You, I, it doesn't bother you. It it doesn't really bother me. Completely understand your point. I mean, all the guys that did did it regularly and routinely. Right. I mean, 
Yeah, kind of a cheap way to do I, it. I understand 200's a round number. It's a great mark. It's a, it's a, but it's really a 199. He didn't have a good I mean, and the guy pops it up. If you didn't see the video, it's between home and first. It's about a foot off of being in foul territory. And the first baseman come down and it just gets out of the way. He then ends up striking at the. And then he gets the taken out the next pitch. Yeah. Took him out. Took him out. Struck it after he got. Him. Didn't like it at all. Uh, wow, what a week, huh? A lot going on. What a night. Football begins at 1.30. We uh, get this thing kicked off at about 6.30 tomorrow night. We'll have the opening drive. And we mentioned the Buffalo Bills earlier in the hour. We'll have a Buffalo Bill, former Husker Jeremiah Searles. Put it up for tonight. Thanks to Ben, to Josh, to everybody for being a part of this one. Have a great night. Have a great weekend. And go Big Red.